Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast, and we have good news to report. The NBA is not going to have a lockout in 2017. We will talk about that in a few minutes here. Before we get underway... Just a reminder, you can find us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so be sure to give both the pod's Twitter account and us a follow. You can find us on iTunes as well. Be sure to check us out there. Subscribe, download, and get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811 select styles excludes in-store clearance leave a review we would love to hear any feedback also we're being hosted this year on fan rag sports so be sure to check them out on twitter at fan rag sports and their nba centric account is at fan rag nba with all that said today as always i'm joined by sarah chalea how's it going sarah it's going all right ryan i know we got some um sad news just had logging on today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, our, our third co-host, Morton Jensen, cannot join us today. Uh, he is feeling under the weather. I think he partied too hard once he heard that there won't be a lockout next summer. So he will be back with us next time. Uh, as Sarah alluded to, we were recording this on Thursday, December 15th, uh, a few minutes before we started recording. The news broke that Craig Sager, longtime Turner sports reporter, has passed away after uh, his courageous battle with cancer. I mean, I think it's safe to say that the NBA is going to miss his vibrancy and his spirit. I think uh, the thing that, aside from his courage making his battle with cancer public, the thing that was just so admirable about him is he made the game fun. Like he remembered, you know, it was his job for 30 plus years, but he still just made the game fun. 
and he reminded everyone that, you know, it's a job, but you can enjoy the hell out of it. So, Sarah, do you want to add anything about Sags? Oh, I just I agree with you. He uh, he always attacked the job and life with that same sort of vivacity, you know, and courage, like you said. It just, you know, I can't imagine what he went through, and I feel like I, I would have not had that same energy to just keep coming at it, you know. So yeah. he's definitely an inspiration. Yeah. Because. So we're we're always Sager strong, and we want to pass our condolences to Casey, to Craig Jr., to the rest of the family. Our thoughts are with you guys right now, and I hope you know how how much your dad meant to us as the NBA community. Uh, with that said, uh, so the other big news of the week, obviously, if you were on Twitter anytime Wednesday night or Thursday morning, you saw that the NBA and the NBA Players Association has tentatively reached an agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, the deadline for either side to opt out was today. They have pushed it back to mid-January, so both sides can officially ratify the agreement. Um, so I'm I'm going to run through a number of the big changes and smaller changes, and then Sarah, as our CBA rookie on the <laughs> on the podcast is going to ask me questions kind of about uh, what these changes mean, especially the impact of the newer provisions that were not in the old one. So there, the big new one is the designated veteran extension. It allows players with one year left on their deal to sign five-year extensions, basically in the, the current CBA, not the new one. We'll just refer to it as the old one from here on out, even though it is still active until January. Uh, in the old CBA, it basically made no financial sense to sign an extension because you could make more money in free agency. Now, this designated veteran extension, it makes more sense to actually sign an extension. Uh, the over 36 rule turned into an over 38 rule, which basically is going to benefit the likes of LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, all of whom, coincidentally, I'm sure, are on the NBPA Executive Council. Uh, there is a creation of two-way contracts, so at the roster's size goes from 15 to 17. There are two spots now for these two-way deals where you can shuffle guys back and forth between the D-League and the, uh, the main association and not have them count against your 15-man cap. Uh, the one-and-done rule stayed in place for now, but the league and the union are going to continue discussing alternatives and could agree to change it at some point between now and the time the new agreement expires in 2023-2024. The preseason is capped at six games, according to Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press. Uh, as Mark Stein reported a few weeks ago, the season is also starting a week earlier uh, both of these things are aimed at reducing back-to-backs and those four-game and five-night stretches, which lead to the DNP rest that we will talk about in a few minutes here. The other two, uh, according to Mark Stein, the matching time on restricted free agencies dropped from three days to two, so hopefully that will spur a little more action in restricted free agency. And rookie, veteran minimum, biannual, mid-level exception contracts are all raised by 45% is the figure that I've seen circulated most often. 
so we we have yet to see a full copy of this agreement. I doubt we will until it officially gets ratified, but those are the big takeaways that we've seen so far. So, Sarah, uh, what, are the, what are the ones that you have questions about? Let me see if I could be a CBA guru for a few minutes here. Well, I'm, I take it in the most simplistic terms that this designated vet thing should help teams hang on to their players rather than lose. It gives them an advantage, I guess. Yes. So in theory, from what I've seen, uh, I saw Howard Beck of Bleacher Report tweet this earlier that teams get two of these rather than just one, which is what they have coming off of rookie deals. Uh, so the way it works is if a guy has one year left on his deal, which will be the case with DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Paul George, Russell Westbrook this coming summer, okay. a team can sign him to a five-year extension, which was not the case in the old CBA. So basically, it means either way, they're going to sign the same length deal, but because the team has their bird rights, they can get as whatever. I, I assume we haven't heard either, anything either way, but I'm assuming the bird rights uh, slash non-bird rights things apply, where if you have bird rights, you get a 7.5% annual raise versus a 4.5% if you're a non-bird. So basically, you're making more money if you re-sign with your current team rather than you know risk free agency and right. so it, it basically gives your team like your team essentially ha- i, I want to say it like you basically become a free agent for your team a year earlier in terms of like the money that you can make like okay. it allows your team to offer the contract that they will be able to offer in free agency the following Next year, year. Okay. one year earlier so that gives them the security you know, if you don't sign it, that's probably a bad sign. That's probably like, okay, maybe it's time to start thinking about trading him, perhaps, because now there's no financial advantage to waiting. So, you know, like, if a guy <laughs> says he's in it for the money and he doesn't resign, then he's not in it for the money and he just wants to leave. So it, it definitely helps teams that have um, incumbent stars already. So as a, as a Sixers fan, I'm very, <laughs> very excited about this because it should knock on wood, ensure that Joel Embiid will remain in a Sixers uniform, uh, hopefully for his entire career. Now, does it hurt teams that have a stockpile of stars or like the Warriors or would it not matter because they're older? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of those guys like Draymond and Clay Thompson are both signed for the next three years, I believe. So in the short term, it's not going to affect them all that much. And then Steph and KD are both, uh, their contracts are up after this year anyway, so they're going to be yeah. free agents. I'm trying to think. I, I have to go digging into uh, the salary books later to see if there's a team where there are like multiple stars are expiring uh, after 2017, 2018. I'll give you an example. If the Clippers, if this was in place this past summer and they have, you know, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, both of whom are going to become free agents in the summer of 2017, the Clippers could have locked both of them up now. And that would have given them the security 
you know, they wouldn't have this storyline hanging over their heads all year. Like, oh God, is this the... Time to blow it up. Yeah. Keep them. Right. Right, right, right. So I think it will help teams that have these concurrent uh, salaries, you know, superstars who have salaries that are, or contracts that are expiring at the same time. Okay. Um, and then the other big one, I guess, is the two-way deal with the D-League. Um, so are you technically able to have up to 17 players on your actual roster then? That's my understanding. I okay. haven't, again, haven't seen full details of... Right. Uh, but so right now you have a maximum of 15 and if you're pushing a guy down to the D league and bringing him back up, pushing him down, bringing him back up, you have to keep a roster spot cleared. So again, going back to the Sixers for an example, we have Timothy Luau, who's been bouncing back and forth. So the Sixers have had to keep a roster spot open for Luau whenever they do want to call him up. Now it sounds like next year they can fill out a roster of 15 guys and then someone like Luau can bounce back and forth between the D-League and the NBA without affecting their other 15-man limit. The cool thing is, from what I saw, it, it, the salary that you earn if you're on this two-way contract depends on where you are. So it sounds like you make, I, th- I think I saw seventy-five grand if you're in the D-League, and then... I assume your actual NBA salary once you're in the NBA. I'm not 100% sure of that. I also did see that you might just make the veterans minimum, but I would assume like a first round pick would make his actual salary. So don't don't quote me on that until okay. we we see the actual details, but from my understanding, uh yeah, it's it actually will help uh I think it'll help promote sending young guys down and relying on the D-League a little bit more because it won't penalize you in terms of, you know, having to keep a roster spot clear. So, like, yeah. if, you, if you're if you desperate and you can, you know, you need bodies, you can bring <laughs> your guy up, but otherwise you can keep him down there and it's not going to affect you either way. That's, uh, that's really exciting as a Spurs fan, as I know. You know, we've had guys we've been interested in and excited about over the years that it is hard to keep them all in the system, you know, like mm-hmm. um, who Keith brought up last year, uh, last podcast as his crush, Jim Michael Green is a guy who <laughs> he was in our our system, and we just could hang on to him. Perhaps mm. this two way deal helps you do that, though potentially not because he clearly deserved a spot in the league and and minutes. But yeah, like I I'd, I'd love to still have him. But yeah, no, that's great. And what I wonder if slash hope it will lead to at some point is if I remember on one of those coaches round tables on NBA TV coaches brought up something that they'd like to see change is just being able to dress everybody who's on your roster too every game so that would be nice even though yeah if you have technically 17 now that's really hard to find minutes but say you do have a game where you can get those guys in that would be nice to be able to do that and not have them in street clothes yeah, that's a good point. I have not seen anything either way yeah. about whether it changes like how many players you're allowed to dress, but yeah. hopefully we'll get yeah. more details in the days yeah. to come. I don't uh, think we're there yet, but yeah, <laughs> right, <one day. laughs> right, right. We we got the the big details leaked out from. Uh, so I mean, you know, again, we haven't seen the full thing. If you guys are interested in the CBA and all that, 
uh, Mark Stein, Adrian Wojnarowski, Kevin Pelton, uh, Danny LaRoe, uh, Keith Smith, who was on uh, our last podcast, is a great follow as well, uh, and uh, Eric Pincus on Twitter. All those guys uh, are on top of this. Larry Kuhn as well, the, the author of the invaluable salary cap FAQ. So I'm sure once <laughs> I saw him like begging for some, someone to leak him the full thing last night so we could get started on the new <laughs> FAQ. <laughs> but I'm sure uh, once the full thing comes out, he will update the FAQ accordingly and all of us can pretend to be cap experts again. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we mentioned the, the preseason being capped and the season starting a week earlier as an aspect of the CBA uh, basically to reduce back-to-backs and four-and-fives. Fi- four uh, you know, the, the story behind that is what we've seen over the past few days and what we're going to see, <laughs> apparently, on uh, TNT tonight. So the, the controversy is that the Cleveland Cavaliers had back-to-back games against the Grizzlies. They were at home Tuesday in Memphis Wednesday. They rested LeBron, Kyrie, and Love on the second night of that back-to-back. So, you know, we, there were people with signs saying, like, <laughs> I spent 800 bucks and I drove four hours to see LeBron and he's staying at home. Um, let's just say there was a lot of ju- outrage over the DNP rest, which, Sarah, you're Greg Popovich, I would say, is the forefather of so, do you think the outrage is justified? You know, I'm just really glad to see other teams creating outrage. And it's like, because <laughs> for so long this was a pop issue, and now, yeah. you know, he's somewhat, um, I would say, justified in that now more teams are doing it. Um, obviously, people have the right to feel however they feel. I mean, it does suck when you spend a lot of money and you come from you know say you don't live in an NBA city and you make it a whole event to go try to see a game especially a generational player like LeBron but you know I know we've talked about well what should the NBA do about it and obviously they have the interest of the fans but they also should be interested in the players well-being um I just don't know how comfortable I am with the league having that type of control over what teams do. Um, it's kind of that argument of uh, federal government versus states' rights. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't really want to see that because I mean, we've talked about that before, how much teams have at their fingertips to monitor every little thing, how far a player runs in a game, how the fastest speed he clocks in at, you know, they have all of that monitored. So, I want to be able to trust them. Um, unfortunately, sometimes teams will make decisions that kind of push that that trust. That, you know, I think Kyrie sat out both games, and he's 24. And, you know, <laughs> so that yeah, sometimes it blurs the lines. And if if that keeps happening, I think unfortunately <laughs> those discussions will have to be had. But it's great. I know that players, like I said, I think Tony Parker brought this up. What's happening finally in the CBA? Like four years ago. Like, why can't we start the season a little earlier, mm-hmm. cut down on preseason, cut down on back-to-backs? So I'm really glad that that's happening. And I think you kind of have to let next year play out and see how teams respond. And then you can come back and talk about what the league might have to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, we should just acknowledge, you know, they reached this agreement, but there's nothing prohibiting them from adding to the collective bargaining agreement, you know, during the seven-year period. So if they, you know, if they see two or three years down the line that these guys really shouldn't be playing 82 games and shouldn't be playing 38 minutes for 82 games, and, the, like, the science says you are leading to overuse injuries, I, you know, I think both sides would be open and willing to changing something. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, Mark, uh, Mark, Mike D'Antoni, the Houston Rockets coach, uh, gave some interesting comments where he basically suggested he would like to see the league get involved, uh, but particularly in, in terms of making sure that teams don't rest their players in road games. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to rest do it for a home game. I think the optics of this particular situation were worse than usual because, you know, most times on a back-to-back, you're not playing the same team. So it's yeah. at least <laughs> it's a, at least a little bit uh, more understandable if you're resting a guy on the second night of a back-to-back. But in this case, it's like, all right, you're playing Memphis twice. You either let your home fans see LeBron or, the you know, the Memphis fans who Cleveland only plays once a year in Memphis, they get to see LeBron. Who do you prefer? And, you know, there is some argument like, well, they, if you're at home, they can go to their own beds, they can sleep afterward, they're going to get a better night's sleep. Uh, then if they're on the road, they're in a hotel bed, or they have to fly back after the game, and their body is fatigued from that. So, you know, I'm not saying that D'Antoni is necessarily right here, but I do think it's that would be kind of the place that I would focus on first. Like, if you are going to do these DNP rests, do them at home where your fans have 41 chances to see your players versus on a road game where they have one, maybe two chances. That said, again, if the science comes back and says, like, we, there is science already that says, like, you know, for a dehydrated guy, getting on a plane afterward is not necessarily the best thing in the world. So, like, there, there are two sides to this equation, and it's definitely a tricky thing to, uh, to juggle. So I think there's, there's no perfect answer here, but, uh, you know, if, if it means, like, I, I don't think any Cleveland fan in Memphis is going to be upset if they spent their $800, but that day of rest helped keep LeBron healthy and they go on to win a second <laughs> title and beat the Warriors again. And, you know, if it leads to a lengthy playoff run because these guys are well-rested, that's the that's the trade-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just, I guess, basically the moral of the story is be careful when you're buying NBA tickets because you, yeah. you can't be sure that you're actually going to see the star that you think you're going to see. I was thinking, you know, I don't think Philadelphia fans have seen Tim Duncan in the last, like, three or four years. Like, you know, <laughs> it's in Philly. Yeah. It does. It sucks. It, but, you know, at the same time, we got him for 19 years, probably, because of those those maintenance games. So Right. And Pop yeah. has said that's what started him uh, on this maintenance path was the 2000 playoffs, where I think Tim had a knee problem, he said, mm-hmm. and... He said, well, you know, if I want Tim Duncan for 19 years, I'm going to have to be a little more uh, cautious with his minutes. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear, we're not talking about guys who are in a minutes restriction for health-related reason, like Embiid being on a 24-minute restriction for his foot or whatever. Like, that's very much a different 
scenario that should that's not controversial <laughs> that just should happen that's fine it's literally just the dnp rest uh so no perfect answer but I'm sure it will, this topic, <laughs> this is not the last I will discuss no. this topic, although hopefully these changes to the NBA schedule next year will cut down on that a little bit. Uh, Morton's not here, so I, I can't troll him too hard, but I did want to shout out uh, the Bulls-Timberwolves game from Tuesday night, Tom Thibodeau's return to Chicago. It looked like a blowout for Chicago early. They got up as much as 21 points in the first half. And then I can only assume Tibbs had some words with the team at halftime. Uh, and basically, the Timberwolves looked like an entirely different team in the second half. Uh, Towns, you know, he was only 6 of 21, but he finished plus 12. He had 16 points, 12 rebounds, 3 blocks, 2 assists, 1 steal, and a 3. There's one play where he stole the ball and ran the court like a gazelle. Like, it did not, it did not compute that that man was 7 feet tall. Like, it's just... He remains, I mean, he's had, I don't want to say a disappointing year, but he hasn't, like, ascended to total world-dominating superstar status quite yet. Like, he's teasing at it, but he's, you know, he, he hasn't, he's not consistently there. Uh, but let's remember, he's, like, what, 21 years old? He's going to be one of the league's best players in a very short period. But Morton did say, he sent us an email before, uh, he loved how Tibbs got his revenge and hated how the Bulls did not give him a video tribute. Quote, bastards. <laughs> so there you go on that. I would advise anyone who hates uh, themselves for liking the Bulls to check out Chris Herring's article on 538 about why the Bulls beat the best teams and lose to the worst because that is something they have tended to do in recent years. Although... They are on TNT tonight, so let's just say RIP to Milwaukee already. <laughs> uh, so before we go into our deep dives of the week, we, we have to touch on this next next story. And Sarah, I think this is of particular interest to you. Mm-hmm. Matt Moore of CBS Sports the other day released this Kawhi Lind article about how the Spurs D is worse with Kawhi Leonard on the floor than off. His theory is that teams are basically isolating wings against Kawhi on the weak side and removing him from the play, which leaves their opponents to play four-on-four against two minus defenders in Pau and Tony, uh, particularly targeting them in pick-and-rolls. So, Sarah, have you noticed this as a trend? Yeah. (laughs) They're definitely trying to pull Kawhi away from plays, and I I can't blame them, but it is strange. Um... I definitely would not have expected to see teams essentially approaching it like football teams, you know. Um, I also, I I think Matt Matt's article was great. It was, you know, well-researched. He had videos. Uh, Coach Nick did a similar video afterward. Um, I mean, you can see it happening. I don't know that I think teams will continue continue to do it, especially uh, postseason, you know, say that the Spurs made it to a matchup with the Warriors or the Cavaliers. Are they going to just decide to take uh, Kevin Durant or LeBron out of the game? Uh, I don't think teams are going to do that, and I would think actually in a way that would benefit the Spurs if they did. Um, but it's it's weird. I mean, 
and I don't think you can blame Kawhi. <laughs> He's definitely, I, I've seen him, and I'm, I'll probably post some video eventually of the times when he's been able to come flying from wherever he has been hidden and come inside and help out. He did so last night against the Celtics mm-hmm. at, at one point. Um, he's trying, but I think, you know, it, it comes down to, like you mentioned, Powell, Tony, they, they're going to have to be better or they're going to have to play fewer minutes if, if that continues. Because, you know, we can't have those gaping holes <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you know, Kawhi and even Danny, trying their hardest, cannot make up for. So, it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I as you mentioned, Coach Nick had a good video on this as well, uh, and he showed a lot of the same footage that Matt talked about, particularly with Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins. Uh, and it did seem, you know, both Coach Nick and uh, Matt more were basically like i'm not sure that the coaches are like deliberately game planning and saying like jimmy mm-hmm. just stayed in the quarter for 48 minutes because you know they they have an offense they have a set system like they're not going to totally deviate from that but that said there was a play especially in nick's video where you see robin lopez goes to set a screen for him and jimmy like points at him is like no go away go away go like i don't yeah. like just do not Come near me. Kawhi's <laughs> on me. Just let the play go. Uh, and they did score on that, I believe. So, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up that uh, the Spurs-Celtics game last night because I did notice a couple instances where Kawhi seemed like uh, he was eager <laughs> to play some help defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, I mean, the, you know, these guys are all on the internet. Like, they, I'm sure he has seen this yeah. this article and I'm sure people are talking about it around him. So I'm wondering how that affects him and the Spurs moving forward. I think he just loves to defend, too. Like, I think yeah. he's always looking to get in on the play, and when he's consistently out of it, I think, it, if anything, for teams, I think it, it somewhat helps them that I think it does frustrate him a little bit that, you know, to, to be not involved in the defensive plays um, over and over, at times he will kind of turn his head, and you can catch him lose sight of his guy for just a second and they're able to to be uh, effective cutting uh, from the weak side and it what's interesting about it is it might be like we've always considered teams that don't have a strong small forward you know not I mean let's face it the top teams in the league do have that right now you know it mm-hmm. was the thunder when they had Durant now of course the Warriors are even stronger with him uh, LeBron obviously in the Cavs the Spurs uh, PG, you know, small for it's one of the premier positions in the league. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting, and the articles have made me think about now, you know, perhaps that's one reason that the Clippers have always kind of matched well with Spurs is they kind of take Kawhi out of that equation because they that's like the one position they haven't had a really strong starter at is small forward, and but maybe that helps you to attack the Spurs if you can either pull Kawhi out on Mbaba Mute or in the past Matt Barnes. And then Matt Barnes was also really good at the weak side cuts. So, mm-hmm. if, you know, if Kawhi is busy trying to help and he loses sight, I mean, that maybe that's a good way to attack them. But yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I think we'll see. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting theory about the Clippers. I think you might be on to something there because uh... – 
I'm kind of mad you don't have any respect for Wesley Johnson, but I guess... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, he went to Syracuse. I don't either. Good point. <laughs> uh, I do want to ask, do you think this uh, adversely affects his Kawhi's Defensive Player of the Year campaign? As I don't want to super troll you, but you did have him as your first quarter MVP. Or, sorry, mm-hmm. DPOY. Uh, yeah, in our last podcast. You you saw me. Uh, I did that too. We had an email chain on B-Ball Breakdown, and I said, yeah, uh, give me Kawhi all day, every day, forever and ever, amen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so obviously it doesn't affect me, but I think it does. Uh, normal people, yeah. I think um, people are, are not going to have him on the top of their list because there's just been so much buzz about the, the numbers so far being – so head scratchingly bad, um, yeah. Unfortunately, I think that that is going to affect. Uh, hopefully, though, I mean, there's there's a lot of time to turn it around. But yes, but uh, yeah, I think that benefits a guy like Draymond too, who is in the in the news a lot, and uh, <laughs> you know, telling people that he wants the award and he's he's making these clutch plays, but. I tell you right now, I will be the one when he inevitably wins that will be out there saltily tweeting uh, the plays where I think he he gets a a different whistle than some other guys get. And yeah, we can talk about that more later. <laughs> I'm very excited for that. As I said last time, he he deserves it if only because he's playing defense on the NBA as well because he keeps kicking people in the junk and not getting <laughs> suspended for it. So there you go. Uh, we are now going to move into a few deep dives. Uh, we're going to start with the Indiana Pacers, who have been consistently underwhelming. Uh, they are only a half game ahead of the Bucks and the Hawks for the East number eight seed. They are thirteen and thirteen overall. They just lost to the Miami Heat. They have beaten the Clippers twice. They beat the Cavs and the OKC Thunder, but they have lost to Brooklyn. They've lost to Phoenix, they've lost to Dallas, they've lost to Miami, and they've lost to Philly, all of which are, let's be real, they, those are probably the five worst teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, they are 17th in offensive rating and 18th in defensive rating, which basically suggests they're a mediocre team. Uh, at best, they're probably headed for a first-round exit. So that leads to the question. You know, Larry Bird, for a number of years now, has been clamoring to get this fast-paced, pace-and-space team. And over the offseason, he trades George Hill, and he brings in Jeff Teague. Uh, he trades the number 20 pick. He brings in Thaddeus Young. Sarah, do you think that big offseason overhaul was a mistake? Well, it certainly hasn't paid off, has it? <laughs> um <laughs> We've joked, or, you know, we didn't come up with it, but certainly have passed that around that they've lost the George Hill trade twice. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't want to pile on Jeff Teague, but so far I, that's probably a, one of their biggest problem areas. You know, you can't have your starting point guard shooting, what, 42% and 32 from three? Uh, that's That's going to put you behind the eight ball quite a bit. Um, and I just think, you know, George was one of those guys who was kind of adept at, he didn't need the ball a lot and he didn't need a lot of shots. Uh, he kind of be a controller and then let Paul George shine a little bit more. And I just think maybe that, that has taken time to mesh for Jeff Teague. Um, it's a different 
situation. He kind of more ran the show in Atlanta. Um, so maybe maybe that's a little bit of a struggle. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. And then uh, you, you said before the season even started that they weren't going to defend very well, and that has been the case as well. So those are big problem areas. Yeah, I'd like to shout out Chris Axman, the almighty baller. Uh, for the Almighty Prophet, because uh, again, we we mentioned this I think on our division preview for the Central. You know, I was I, I talked myself into this offseason overhaul working, and I was like, yeah, they're gonna score all the time. And then Chris was like, hey, but they're gonna suck on defense. And I was <laughs> like, you know what? You might be onto something here. I mean, Paul George and Miles Turner are plus defenders, and Miles Turner still looks great, still having a breakout year. Um, but yeah, I mean, their their defense has really struggled. I want to give a shout-out to Jared Dubin, who wrote a thing about the Pacers uh, two weeks ago for the step back on fan-sided. And at the time, they were just outside of the top 10 in defensive rating. But he even said then, they he called it a house of cards that's in danger of collapsing <laughs> fairly soon. So props to Jared for predicting exactly what would unfold. Over the next two weeks, uh, he noted that teams were basically just shooting below average from three-point range against them, but it wasn't anything they were doing. It's just like teams were getting unlucky and shooting poorly against them, and that was likely to regress to the mean in the coming weeks, which it seems like it has. So, you know, at, at this point, I'm not going to say Bird, it's not like he broke up a perennial contender anyway. Like it's been a couple of years since they had that David West, Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson when he was playing well, uh, that core, but the early returns are not great for Indiana. So I think, you know, it's something to monitor moving forward. Cause it would not surprise me. You know, maybe they get a little active on the trade market come the trade deadline. If they decide they screwed up and need a little bit more defense. Uh, the next team we're going to talk about here is the Charlotte Hornets. So they are currently riding a three-game losing streak, including a ugly blowout loss to the aforementioned Pacers. But aside from that, prior to that, they were one of the pleasant early season surprises. Then again, if you look who they've beaten, I'm going to run through this quickly, Milwaukee, Miami, Philly, Brooklyn, Indiana, Utah, Minnesota, Atlanta, New York, Dallas twice, Orlando, Memphis, and Detroit. There really isn't a marquee victory in there. I guess you could argue Utah or maybe the Knicks, maybe Memphis. But no Cavs, no Warriors, no Clippers, no Spurs, etc., etc. Kemba's playing at an all-star level, but Nick Batum is shooting under 40% from the field. And Marvin Williams has been a trouble spot as well. He had a career year last year. kind of reverted to the mean this year. Uh, I want to relay some comments from Steve Clifford, their head coach, on Wednesday. So after losing to the Washington Wizards, uh, 109-106, I'm going to read this from Rick Bonnell of the Charlotte Observer. Uh, (laughs) Rick said, Clifford used the word physicality in just about every sentence of a severe critique of his team's play. And this is a quote from Clifford. The game came down to physical play. If guys aren't willing to be more physical, we'll be an up-and-down team. We'll struggle to make the playoffs. If we want to play with the physicality we choose to at times, we have a chance to be a good team. 
So, Sarah, uh, what do you think's going on with the Hornets? Do you think it just comes down to physicality, or you know, should Hornets be Hornets fans be worried here? Are they in danger of missing the playoffs, or do you think they're still going to be comfortably in by season's end? I don't think they should be worried because I still think they have a good team and a good chance to make the playoffs out out in the East. Um, I think Clifford understands that they're going to have to be a very good defensive team uh, in order to get in because they are average offensively. Um, And that was something I was worried about in the beginning, which is why I kind of undersold them uh, because I just didn't see how they were going to score. But they've been pretty decent from three-point range. And Kemba's been incredible, like you said, and he's got to be. He really mm-hmm. does, especially with you know Batum not really packing a lot of scoring punch. Um, but that they, yeah, they got to hang their hat on on defense. They're like the number one defensive rebounding team, which is big, um, and that's where they're going to compete. Because yeah, they, <laughs> they can't score with the best, so they're going to have to try to hold them down a little bit. Uh, so I think that's why why all the emphasis on physicality uh, in his dressing down of the team. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think, like you said, when they end up playing the big dogs, uh, we kind of have to still wait and see what's going to happen with that. Um, I think they can compete as long as they defend well, and they're going to have to hit a few threes. Um, but... We'll have to see as far as that, but yeah, I still, I still think they're going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I mean, they've got. We'll we'll start to see how they fare against the big dogs on Friday night. They've got a date with Boston in Boston. They've also got uh, Atlanta on Saturday. They have the Bulls right before Christmas. They have Cleveland on New Year's Eve, and then they've got a tough. Oof, a brutal start to 2017 with Chicago, OKC, Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston. So we're going to learn a lot about this Hornets club in the next month to see just how far they have to go or whether this is just a you know the blip in an otherwise promising season for them. I think your point about uh, them defensively is totally right. I mean, they're seventh right now in terms of defensive rating, which... They absolutely need to stay in the top 10 if they're going to have a chance of making the playoffs. Because, you know, as you mentioned, they have Kemba, uh, but no other consistent source of offense. Um, You know, Batum, I mentioned earlier, shooting under 40%. Marvin Williams, 35.2. Frank Kaminsky, 37.6. Ramon Sessions, 38.9. Uh, so they're just not getting, they need that like second reliable scorer and Batum is supposed to be that guy, I think. But you know, this is where you're seeing them miss Jeremy Lin, Courtney Mm -hmm. Lee coming off the, Al Jefferson even coming off the bench. You know, we mentioned, I think all three of us in our preseason preview of Charlotte was a little bit concerned about, you know, we figured they would be good. We figured getting MKG back would be good, and he, he's played pretty well. But we were worried that that's a lot of offense that you have to replace off the bench, and they haven't really found someone to do that yet. So, you know, Marco Bellinelli's playing well for them. I think that could be a source uh, of more moving forward. We'll just have to wait and see. 
you know, hopefully in the coming weeks they can get Kemba some help because he's, again, he's been playing. I mean, if he doesn't make the all-star team this year, it is a crime against humanity. Um, so he's been playing really well. Got to hope he keeps it up. But if I'm a Charlotte fan, I am not too worried right now just because, I mean, it's the same story both, I mean, more so in the West than the East. Like the West, there's already starting to be some considerable separation between playoff teams and lottery teams. But in the East, I mean, there are really only 10 teams, unless Washington can get it together, that you have to worry about for a playoff spot. Like Orlando, Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, they're all, they're not going to make it. So I have a feeling Charlotte can hold off at least, you know, three of Detroit, Indiana, Atlanta, Milwaukee, and Washington. But we will see. As as we mentioned, they've got a hell of a schedule coming up. Uh, so the last team we want to touch on this week are the Portland Trailblazers. They went 1-4 on their recent five-game road trip, including four straight losses before just beating down OKC at home on Tuesday. Evan Turner, who we maligned a lot earlier <laughs> in this season. He has been playing better as of late, relatively speaking. Uh, Dame and CJ are both putting up career scoring numbers, and Mo Harkless is really playing well as a glue guy. But all of that said, they're only 13 and 14, which is good for eighth in the West. They, I mean, I mentioned, you know, a minute ago, they are beginning to open some separation in terms of the playoff race. Uh, I think they have a three game lead on the next closest team, the Sacramento Kings and the Denver Nuggets. But that's more a factor of Sacramento and Denver and all of those teams. You know, the Lakers were up there early, but they've lost eight straight. You know, Sacramento's three and seven in their last ten. Denver's three and seven in their last ten. Lakers are one and nine. That's not a credit to the Trailblazers. Basically, it's just the West Lotto teams are starting to hold to form. Um, so, Sarah, why do you think the Blazers have struggled as much as they have, and what is the cure? Well, uh, you passed along a, an article by Josh Martin from Bleacher Report, and in it there was a Terry Stotts quote, and he said, I think that other teams are probably better prepared for us than last year at this time, and we're fighting through some of that. And I really think... That's a big part of it. Um, you know, last year, we remember that C.J. McCollum was kind of a surprise. <laughs> no one expected him to be a, as transcendent as he was. Now people are ready for for that, and they know that the Blazers have kind of this two-headed snake in, in uh, Dame and C.J., and they're they're ready for that. And there's, you know, there's not a lot else there. And I think... You know, their big problems are they, they don't have a great bench. They're not very good defensively at all, and that's, you know, putting it nicely. Um, and they, they haven't been good in the clutch because people know what they're going to. Um, so, I mean, I think they talked about thinking that coming into the year not having a lot of turnover was going to help them build on last year. And I don't think that's happened because they probably needed to add a little bit of something now. You know, Azili, I think, would have helped. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, has just been hurt. But, you know, they, they needed they needed that. They need some other piece because there's just not enough right now 
uh, still just trying to ride Damon CJ. I think it's a little unfair to have expected them to really build on what they did last year because they really, last year was a surprise, you know, they probably shouldn't have been able to do that, but they definitely, there's no reason to expect them to be any better than that really. And certainly now that people are prepared for them, there's even a little bit of regression. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. Uh, and Morton said the same thing when he right. emailed us. He said, you know, teams have them scouted now. The element of surprise is gone. So that's leading to, you know, their struggles a little bit. I mean, I'm glad you shouted out this Josh Martin article. Uh, check it out on Bleacher Report. Uh, he basically asked why they haven't taken that next step. And he pointed out, as you mentioned, their defensive rating slipped from 20th last year to 28th this year. Their clutch time net rating technically is up. It was minus 2.9 last year and minus 2.3 this year, but that, in terms of its league-wide rank, is down. And then, yeah, their bench scoring dropped off by almost four points a game, which, given the addition of Evan Turner, another year of Alan Crabb, you would not have expected that. The bench really needs to be one of the strong points for this Portland team. Uh, because, you know, Dame and CJ can't do it all. And I think that's what <laughs> they did do it all, basically, mm-hmm. for two months last year, and they, they got really hot and rode into the playoffs um, on that hot streak and then, you know, caught a Clippers team that had a limping around Blake Griffin and then Blake got re-injured, so they advanced to the second round. You know, I... I don't think that the Blazers were as good as their record indicated last year. Mm-hmm. I think this is more in line with what they are as a team right now. They are still really young. Like as Josh pointed out, they're like their major old veterans are Turner who's 28, Ed Davis who's 27, and then Plumlee, Aminu and Lillard who are all 26. I think Azili is also 27 or 28, but he hasn't played the whole year. He's got some knee issues. So like they don't have that that Gerald Henderson that they had two years ago. Uh, or I guess, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not sure that... I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I did not have them as a playoff team uh, coming into the year because I had more faith in Dallas. Whoops, <laughs> my bad. Um, I mean, it just seems like, unless they completely fall apart, the, the other lottery-bound teams in the West barring a complete reversal of fortune from the Lakers, you know, it seems like we, we basically already set in terms of West playoff teams. Now we're just jostling for seeds. That said, you know, look at the top seven in the West. You got Golden State, San Antonio, Clippers, Rockets, Grizzlies, Jazz, Thunder. The only team I'm not scared of to draw as a first round opponent would be the Blazers. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm Golden State, I'm trying really hard to hold on to that number one seed, not only for home court advantage in the first round, but because I don't want to see Russell Westbrook as a seventh seed, or I don't want to see this Jazz team, which ranks third in defensive rating in the first round. I don't want to see Memphis fall to the eight. So I'm not going to say that Portland is guaranteed to get knocked out in the first round, but if I had to pick... You know, looking at the matchups today, if I had to pick one team that I thought was not going to make it, it would be Portland. That said, you know, they, they've they got a lot of talent. Now it's just a matter of, it might be a matter of consolidating it. And Josh suggested that in his article. Uh, Andrew Sharp of Sports Illustrated as well 
had a recent piece about how he, he's like, let's get Nerland's Noel to Portland. And he suggested Alan Crabb and a protected first round pick for Nerland's, which I just, I wanted to hit the okay button on my computer as fast as possible. <laughs> like, yes, a hundred times. Yes, I will. That is so much more than I am expecting for Nerland's at this point. Uh, as a side note, Woj, I think, I think it was Woj or someone tweeted the other day that they were on a podcast and yeah, I think it was Woj. Uh, and they said basically teams are calling about Nerlens and are not liking what they hear about his work ethic, et cetera. Mm. Uh, and his attitude. So that, yeah, that, that doesn't have me hopeful for <laughs> getting yeah. Alan Crabb at a first round pick. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could be just a matter of, you know, moving, they have a surplus of guards and forwards now. I don't, <laughs> I think Sharp said, like, if they trade Turner back to Philadelphia, Hickey's army is going to revolt. He is not wrong, so it probably would have to take Crab. but I would frankly expect the first-round pick to be coming from Philly rather than from Portland. I don't think that would be, I think Portland would be giving up a lot if they give up Crab and mm-hmm. a first-round pick for Nerlens, who can leave if he wants to at the end of the year. Uh, so let's now turn to our Where Amazing Happens segment because, Sarah, something amazing is happening on Sunday and you're going to be there in person. Yep. Tim Duncan's retirement ceremony is on Sunday. Uh, first, do you want to just gloat for a minute about getting to be there in person? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, I just still feel really uh, fortunate. Like I said, it was a complete freak of the, the scheduling, the ticketing, however it worked. I would not be going. I'm pretty. I think it's pretty safe to say if that hadn't happened, because the prices shot way up. So yeah, I just got lucky. But <laughs> my mother, who, who will be going with me, the other day said she she's a little worried that you know the ceremony will start and she'll look over and I won't be there, and all of a sudden I'll be on the floor hanging on to the jersey so they can't race it. <laughs> It's like no, 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 no. You might need this still. How about we just hang on to it? Um, and she probably shouldn't have given me the idea because that that hadn't occurred to me. Yeah. But no, it's it's going to be interesting. I look forward to, to talking with you all after it happens. Uh, I don't think I'm in any way prepared, but I, I'm not thinking about it. You know, I'm just going to go in, and then it's all going to hit me. And I think they talked to Manu at practice the other day about. You know, do you expect him to get emotional? And he said, well, yeah, but, you know, I guess it depends on how you imagined him emotional (laughs) would be, you know, how's that going to look? But that also I hadn't thought about. And if that happens, God help me. (laughs) I I don't even, I can't. (laughs) I can't even imagine dealing with that. But I look forward to it. Somewhat. Like I said, my mom doesn't want to go because she said that'll make it real. It's, not, <laughs> it's, it's very real already. But, yeah. Yeah. That's that's my favorite. She told me this before the podcast started. And I was like, well, what? The last two months he's just been injured? Like, what's going on? He's not... <laughs> but then he did come back this week to play Pau Gasol at practice one-on-one. So there's still hope that maybe he's going to just don the jersey one more time at halftime, come out in the second half lead them to glory, and then go take a shower and get his jersey retired. Who knows? <laughs> Could uh, happen. Yeah, but... I love that he's working with Fowl, though. I do. Yeah. I, I, they mentioned during the... I think the... Lo- was it the local broadcast or the ESPN one last night? 
I really can't remember, but that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people thought that after he retired, we'd never see him again. Right. <laughs> he'd just disappear. And I somewhat thought that as well. I mean, I thought he might be around the team, but I didn't think we'd hear anything about him. But it's nice that he's been in there working. <laughs> I was joking. I'd like to see them out, not not in the gym, but out in the yard at the practice facility and uh, have Pow in, like, his, this torn-up old sweatsuit and and Tim sitting there with a chicken. <laughs> it, all right. Now you're gonna you're gonna chase this chicken, pal. I should be like, no, I don't think I want to do that. To be like, first of all, you are because I said so. Second of all, if you catch this chicken, you can defend the pick and roll. Like that, I just so want to see that happen. Oh my god! But I don't think it's gonna happen. But oh. I'll take I'll take a little one on one with him defending, pal. I can live for that. Martin is gonna die when he hears that. <laughs> <laughs> That's- Fantastic. I would love to know what the score was uh, if they would play like a one-on-one scrimmage. Like They did Tim on defense only, and, oh. but I think he got a point if he stopped Powell, and Powell got a point if he scored. Uh-huh. And Powell said that it was tied if you want to take him at his word on that. I'm sure. I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Donald Trump saying it was tied. That is just... <laughs> it's just as believable. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we we need to. I feel like the Westbrook triple double tracker might have been a one week feature as we debuted <laughs> it last week, and he promptly went and did not get a triple double in his this next two games. Fault. It really yeah. is. And now there's a story on ESPN.com about how he's annoyed with the triple double talk. So <laughs> sorry, Russ. Uh, don't don't take it out on my fantasy team, please. Perpetually Just... annoyed though. So right, okay. right. There is that. I I feel like we can't really. <laughs> we can't can't blame the triple double talk for yeah. that. I think but that's... I don't blame him. Like I wouldn't want to hear about it all the time either. Like, yeah. we could talk about it because of course we're going to talk about it. But I don't think he needs to be asked about it constantly. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. And, and as we mentioned last time, he like he needs to put up those huge numbers. It's not like he's just stat stuffing. Like he mm-hmm. his team really actually genuinely needs him to put up <laughs> close to a triple double, if not a triple double, to stay afloat in the playoff race. So. Here's hoping he starts a new streak soon, but if he does, we will not talk about it. We will briefly mention it and move on. Uh, so the last thing in our Where Amazing Happens this week, Michael Jordan is in the news for a couple different stories. Uh, first, ESPN.com's J.A. Donde had a story about him on the set of Space Jam, where he apparently <laughs> just used to dominate people in pickup games while listening to D'Angelo. <laughs> Because I guess that album came out that summer. <laughs> so just just soak in that mental image there for a second. Uh, also, he uh, Rip Hamilton was on The Jump with Rachel Nichols. And he told this story about how he, he and Michael were on the 2001-2002 Washington Wizards. And uh, Rip came up to him at some point and was like, Hey, MJ, uh, you know, it would be really cool like to be part of the Jordan brand. And Michael said back, uh, yeah, you have to earn that. Those are for your all-stars. <laughs> so, so that, yeah, that is Michael is Jordan. Blooded. Yeah. Yeah. Like, supposedely he came up and said, yeah, you, you're not good enough basically to wear my shoes. It's an all-star shoe. Right. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Even though it's his own teammate. Like, that just goes to show you that his homicidal competitiveness. 
did Seems not unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. Did well, not. It's stay. friendly fire. Why are you spraying it? Rip. Leave him alone. Right. Right. Just like be like, uh, yeah, okay. Talk to me in a few years. Like, there's a nicer <laughs> way to go about that. But having just read uh, "Boys to Men" by Jonathan Abrams, um, has a lot of MJ and Kwame Brown talk. Uh, oh boy. And let's just say the the words that MJ said to Kwame Brown are not okay in 2016. There, I bet. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that, there was one passage in particular that I will not say on this podcast for fear of lightning striking me down from the sky. Let's just say that much. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So if you have not read that book, check out Jonathan Abrams. Uh, it's really good stuff. And for those interested in the one and done era, especially with this one and done rule still being debated. Uh, that's a really good read, but it also contains just some scorching Michael Jordan <laughs> insults. I I do not blame Carl Kwame from flaming out of the league after uh, being on the receiving end of that. But Morton would like to say that Michael Jordan is a badass and he will forever love him deeply. So there you, there you go. Imagine Morton saying that. Um, so now let's let's finish things up with our crush segment. And Sarah, I know you're excited <laughs> for this one. Fire away. Who's your crush of the week? You're right. Uh, my crush is a certain big man who plays in Denver. But um, before we move off for, from Amazing, I think we should at least mention um, not only Larry Nance's Statue of Liberty oh, God. last night, yes. but um, Aaron Gordon threw one behind his head. And I almost feel like we should debate which one's more amazing because... Larry Nance went <laughs> after an insane amount of contact. He continued to go up, mm-hmm. which I don't understand how you do that. But then I also don't understand how when you're moving backwards and the rim is behind you, like if I could jump that high, I would absolutely hit my head on the rim and throw <laughs> the ball over the other side of the rim, like guaranteed. Yeah, like right. how did he know where the rim was? Yeah. So that's incredible. And then Kawhi last night had the – you see, he yes. did like a freaking Dr. J, Jordan, midair. I think he kind of looked like he wanted to go for the dunk, but then I think it was Amir Johnson came up and, and kind of met him, and so he turned it into some kind of looping finger roll. It's like, oh my God, just the athleticism in this league is incredible. Yeah, just a perpetual reminder that we are blessed to watch these guys today because they're all yeah. freaks of nature. But as to your... So you can you take a side in this Aaron Gordon Larry oh, Dance debate? Man, it's so hard. I think I gotta go the behind the head thing because I'm still amazed at his spatial awareness. <laughs> right. The the not giving yourself a concussion definitely gives right. you points there. Uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll be a contrarian and I'll take Larry Nance because there was a picture. There was like a still shot of him, and it was like. Brooke Lopez, who is seven feet tall and he's jumping, and then Larry Nance is like four feet above him. Which is like, I just, I don't, I mean, I'm like a white Jewish guy, so I, I can jump maybe two feet. Like, Larry Nance might have jumped my height last night. So I think because I knew Aaron Gordon, you know, we saw him last year in the mm-hmm. dunk contest, we knew he was capable of that kind of stuff. It's cool to see it in game. Larry Nance, I had no idea he could do that. So. That was yeah. uh, that He's was amazing. An, yeah, that was a nice wake up call. So good, good call on adding Thanks. that into the 
wear amazing happens segment because uh, you gotta get him in a contest, right? Yeah. It's oh yeah. Lockdown for sure happening. I I would assume if it was just Levine, Aaron Gordon, and Larry Nance, I'm good with that. Me and too. maybe Absolutely. throw in Russ just because <laughs> <laughs> he's just so violent. Yeah. But I don't know you. But like just those three guys perpetually. We don't even like just for sure. Yeah. Just every year. I was worried that they're gonna try to take Aaron Gordon out because you know they'd like to change it up. No. Keep him in. Yeah. Forever. Right. Him okay. and yeah. All him and Levine just need to like permanently, I'm sorry, I know you want the all star break. Like it's a nice week long <laughs> vacation. Nah. You, you guys <laughs> you owe it to our the NBA community as a whole, having suffered through enough bad dunk contests of the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Let's enjoy it while we can. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So I'll get back to uh, the my crush. Of course, I picked Nikola Jokic. Yes. Uh, yeah, freaking their last game was a super disappointing loss to the Mavericks. But he had 27 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, one block, one turnover, was 10 of 12 in 26 minutes. Ugh. So I feel like we gotta we gotta find some some more minutes for Jokic. <laughs> uh, he, he averaged 18. 9.2 rebounds, three and a half assists, 67% from the field over his last four games. So, and like we said, he's doing this in limited minutes. He just he he makes the team better when he's on the floor. It's not like he's a, a stat stuffer too. That's like empty stats, and he's out there for himself. He he's a good passer. <laughs> he's gonna make the the game and the team flow better. So I would just love to see him on the floor more. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I'd say every Nuggets fan shares that sentiment. Because I think it's very evident that uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray are the future mm-hmm. of that franchise. Uh, and they're stuck. We mentioned in a recent podcast how they're kind of stuck in this you know, weird state of limbo. Because they've got so many veterans and they've got a bunch of young guys who need minutes too. So here's hoping they settle on a direction. Maybe pull off a consolidation trade. You know, move Nurkic or move Fareed mm-hmm. or someone and find a way to get Jokic in the lineup because he was a second-half superstar after the All-Star break last year. And, you know, he struggled in the early going playing in that Nurkic-Jokic lineup. Right. uh, But, you know, hopefully they can figure out a way to get him going again. Um, It's it's tough with, uh, you know, the Moutier situation. Yes. Kind of like like we talked about with the Pacers. I mean, it's different because Jeff Teague is at least a known commodity, but... You know, when you're you're getting those that type of play from that position, it's it's rough. I don't know if you saw somebody tweeted, like I assume some fan tweeted Wilson Chandler. I think recently said, uh, "You got to talk to Mike Malone." There's no reason you, Murray and Jokic should not be starting. Mm. And and Chandler like retweeted it, but said over my head, man, that's uh, not <laughs> my job. But but obviously gave you know gave it air. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's interesting. In- interesting things going on in Denver. Yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll keep an eye on uh, Wilson Chandler's <laughs> Twitter feed for hopefully some late breaking <laughs> updates in terms of starting lineup changes there. Uh, so my crush of the week is Kyle O'Quinn of the New York Knicks. Uh, I think I think it was Dan Favale of Bleacher Report who tweeted this, and he said something along the lines of, like, 
it brings him such great pleasure to watch Kylo Quinn because now Joakim Noah, the last three and a half years of his deal, look even worse in retrospect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Quinn, in his last six games, 12.7 points, 10.2 rebounds, 1.7 blocks in 23.4 minutes per game, shooting almost 65% from the field. Against Phoenix the other night, he had 22 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, Against the Timberwolves at the beginning of the month, 20 points, 13 rebounds, 2 blocks in 31 minutes. So, dude is playing (laughs) insanely well and is giving the Knicks a big boost. They've won four of those those six games that he's played. Uh, So, we'll, we'll see if he can keep it up. Hopefully he can. Hopefully... For the sake of Knicks fans and Bulls fans who remain loyal to Noah, hopefully he's not. He can get going a little bit more. But you know, if not for contract, I think there would soon be a question of should Mister O'Quinn be starting over Joakim mm-hmm. Noah? So we will see how that plays out in the coming weeks. But good to see that they're getting productive play out of O'Quinn, and also just shout out to Kristaps for being. A freaking monster just as a place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just I'm so you know, I enjoy making fun of the Knicks because they're the Knicks and they do a lot of stupid things. But it seems like after that early season swoon, they're like, you know what? We need to get Kristaps the ball a lot, and they're doing it. And now he is a monster. So, congrats, Knicks! Like, way to not take three years to figure that out. I'm glad it only took about ten games. Very well done. So that is going to do it for this week on the NBA podcast. Again, be sure to check us out on Twitter at the NBA pod, where you can find all three of our Twitter handles as well. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, download, leave us some reviews. We'd love to hear your feedback and check out fan rag sports at fan rag sports on Twitter. And then the NBA channel is at fan rag NBA. Again, passing our condolences to the Sager family. Our thoughts are with them at this time. Uh, you know, check out, I'm sure the TNT broadcast is going to have a great tribute tonight, uh, to a very beloved man. So sorry to be the bearer of bad news in that regard. Hope you enjoyed the CBA talk. Otherwise, Sarah, as always, it was great talking to you. You too. All right. Take care. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & More. 
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Clearance. 